The first reading is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. And the second reading is Matthew chapter 21 verses 23 to 46. Jesus entered the temple courts and while he was teaching, the chief priests and elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? They asked him. And who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I'll tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it amongst themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, then why didn't you believe him? But if we say of human origin, we're afraid of the people, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we don't know. Then he said, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did, and even when you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, they killed another, and they stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They'll respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son... They said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take the inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? 
He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it's marvellous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. So they looked for a way to arrest him. But they were afraid of the the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Thanks, Suz, and good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Mark. If we haven't met, I'm one of the, the pastors here. At Trinity Church Modbury, Stephen, our senior pastor, is back on deck tomorrow, which is great. And it's great as well to have David with us today. Thank you for telling us about compassion and um, sharing a bit, bit about that with us. Um, his shop's set up at the back, so buy him out afterwards. It'd be great, to, great for us to do some more great work, some more great, great partnership with compassion. Uh, well, if you stop and think about it, there are probably lots of people who have got some sort of influence or authority over your life. Um, but, but there's also a line where their influence isn't allowed to go beyond. So, for example, I listen to my financial planner very carefully when he's talking to me about superannuation advice, but I don't necessarily want his advice on what gym workout I should be doing, for example. Uh, your boss or your school teacher has a lot of power over what you do at 10am on a Wednesday, for example, but, but it's none of their business what you want to watch on TV that night. So we, we ideally try to give people the control over our lives that gives, gives the best outcome for us. Nothing more, nothing less. And as we found out yesterday, we can vote them out if we don't like what they're doing. Um, and I wonder, can, can Jesus be a little bit like that for you? You find him useful in lots of areas of your life or, or some areas of your life, but he doesn't have full access. There are rooms of your life that he's not allowed in because it would be dangerous to to give jesus free reign over my whole life there are things that are precious to me that he would want to take away from me or there are uncomfortable things that he would want me to do perhaps you can think of something that would be too much for jesus to ask of you in the lead up to Easter in a few weeks' time, where we're going to be finishing off a series in Matthew's Gospel that we've been in and out of over, over the last few years. And, and this morning we're looking at chapters 21 and 22. Now that, that's quite a big passage to cover. The reading that we had was about a quarter of it, so there's a, there's a fair bit to cover. And there are going to be three things that we're going to be looking at in, that stand out in this passage. Authority, rejection, and consequences. Authority, rejection, and consequences. That's what we're going to be looking at. And we're going to see that as God's king, Jesus has authority over every single part of our lives. And so the consequence of rejecting him is facing God's judgment. Uh, So firstly, authority. Matthew wants us to see that Jesus has authority in every way. He has authority, firstly, to be worshipped 
as God's king. Uh, at the start of chapter 21, Jesus enters into the, the city of Jerusalem, not on a powerful war horse like you might expect of a king in that day, but, but on a young donkey. His, his feet are probably dragging along the ground as the, as the poor old donkey walks through. And Matthew tells us that this is fulfilling a prophecy that was made centuries earlier in the Old Testament book of Zechariah. Say to daughter Zion, that is to, to Israel, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. The fulfillment of prophecy keeps on coming as, as we read through. The, the crowds praise Jesus using the words of an Old Testament psalm. Children praise him in, in the same way that another psalm tells that, that children will praise God. Jesus, we can see, has authority to be worshipped. And he also comes with authority to judge. He drives the money sellers out of the temple. He tells them God's house, the temple, is a place for prayer, not for making a profit and ripping people off. Jesus is the Lord who Malachi, in the the first reading that that Suz gave us, the, the, the Lord who Malachi said would come to his temple. Who can endure his coming? Who can stand when he appears to judge. Jesus has authority to heal. The blind and the lame come to him at the temple and he heals them. And then in chapter 22, Jesus has authority to flawlessly proclaim God's truth. Now, we didn't get to this bit in our reading, but three times the religious leaders of that day, they come up to Jesus and they try to trap him with tricky questions. And three times he beats them. And then he hits back with a question of his own that they're unable to answer. So Jesus has authority to be worshipped, to judge, to heal, to proclaim God's truth. In fact, he has all authority. And we see this in one of the questions that the religious leaders test him with. They come up to him and they ask him, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now, they think they've got Jesus trapped by asking him this question. Because if Jesus says that they should pay tax to to Caesar and the Roman Empire, then the people all around, the Jewish people who are living under Roman rule, are going to be furious. They're going to to hate Jesus. But if he says no, then they can go and tell the Romans and and have Jesus arrested. They they think they've got him snookered here either way. Uh, So Jesus takes one of their coins. He shows them Caesar's face on the coin, a bit like we've got the queen on our coins. And and he says to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Now, on on one level, he's making a point here that we we rely on the government. And so we ought to respect the government and we ought to contribute accordingly to the government. Now, that was a topic that we discussed a bit more in Romans 13 a a few weeks back. So have a listen to that one online if that's a topic that you're interested in. Um, but, But there's a bigger point here as well, that Jesus is making. We owe Caesar the coin that has Caesar's image on it. And so if we had something that was that had God's image on it, then surely we owe that thing to God. That's, that's the logic here. So what do we have? What do we have that bears God's image? Which are very selves, isn't it? We, we're, we're made in God's image, which means that our lives are not our own. God has authority over our lives, and Jesus, as God's king, has authority 
over our lives, whether we like it or not. And so the question then is, are you living with Jesus as king over all of your life? Or are you choosing the parts of your life that you think Jesus can make better and, and just giving him those parts, keeping, keeping the rest of my life for me? Is there anything in your life that is off limits to Jesus? Things that, that he isn't allowed to touch. What is it that's too much for Jesus to ask? I love Jesus, but there are people that have hurt me and I could never forgive them. I love Jesus, but I've worked hard for my money. I'm going to use it however I want. I love Jesus, but I would never go overseas as an overseas missionary. That, that's too much for me. I love Jesus. I'm, I'm happy to come to church on a Sunday, but who is he to tell me who I should or shouldn't be sleeping with or, or any other part of how I live my life? Now, in response to that sort of mentality, Matthew tells us Jesus is your king. And when Jesus came to be our king, he wasn't applying for a part-time role. He came to rule over all of our lives. He and he alone has the right to rule my entire life, which leaves us with only two options when it comes to Jesus. Repentance or rejection. And Matthew wants us to see that, that to reject Jesus is to reject God. The religious leaders that we read about in this passage, they had clearly rejected Jesus. Jesus is teaching and, and performing miracles in the temple, and they, they come up to him and they ask him, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Which you know sounds, sounds like they're, they're wanting genuine answers to their questions, but, but we can see that they're not seeking after truth. They're not interested in truth. Because when Jesus asks his follow-up question about John the Baptist, they refuse to answer because they'd have to admit that they were wrong. They reject the authority of Jesus because it threatens what's precious to them, which is their security in their religion. Jesus is teaching things that simply don't line up with what they want. And so Jesus tells three parables that, that each illustrate this rejection in a slightly different way. Uh, so firstly, we, we read about this one in our reading. He likens the religious leaders to a son who promises to help his dad in the garden, but then when garden day comes, he doesn't rock up. So the religious leaders, they, they say all the right things about worshipping God, but when the moment comes to accept God's king, their religion is found to be worthless. Then we have the next parable as well, where Jesus tells of some farmers who rent a vineyard, but they treat the owner of the vineyard with contempt, killing his servants and then even killing his own son. And in the same way, the nation of Israel has treated God with contempt to the point of rejecting and killing God's own son. And then in the, the third parable, which we didn't get to in our reading, Jesus tells us the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. This king sends his servants out to, to give the invite to the guests and to, to invite them along to the wedding. But the guests kill the servants and ignore the invitation. And again, the point is clear. God has called his people 
to exalt and celebrate his son. But by rejecting the son, they've rejected the father as well. Now, these parables are shocking, right? They, they ought to make us angry. We, we ought to be feeling the, the, the injustice and the, the offense here. And Jesus tells them to show us the seriousness of rejecting him. To show us how defiant and how offensive we are to God when we reject his son. Now, I realize this is quite a gear change from the encouraging stories that we've, we've just heard 10 minutes ago, but, but it's important. We have to be real about what it means to ignore and to reject Jesus. My guess is that there are people here this morning who are just checking out church and Christianity, and um, that's great. It's, it's so good that you're with us this morning as part of that journey. Uh, there'll be people as well who are at crossroads, who are still working out if, if following Jesus is something that you want to do or not. Uh, there'll be young people who are working out whether, whether you want Jesus to be part of your adult life. And, and there'll perhaps be people here as well who are well on the way to, to checking out of church. And if any of those are you, then this passage is here as a loud wake-up call. Rejecting Jesus is, is so normalized in the world around us. It, it can seem like the natural thing to do. It can, it can feel like we're on the right side of history by, by rejecting Jesus. But Jesus warns us that the consequences of rejecting him are severe. In the parable of the two sons, he tells the religious leaders that they're in danger of not entering the kingdom of God. In the parable of the tenets, he warns them that those who reject Jesus and, and put themselves against Jesus are going to be crushed. The kingdom of God is going to be taken away from them and given to others. In the wedding banquet parable, the ones who reject the invitation are destroyed. So can you see, this is about entering the kingdom or not entering the kingdom. Eternity in heaven or in hell. There are only two possible responses to Jesus. We can either reject or repent. And there are only two possible outcomes. There's either entering God's kingdom or not entering God's kingdom, missing out forever. Now, if that sounds harsh and, and judgmental and you, you think, how could we possibly believe in a God like that? Well, we've got to remember that being excluded from God's kingdom is simply God giving us what we've chosen. He's respecting our decision, which is, which is a decision to, to want nothing to do with him, a decision to reject his king. See, all of us, regardless of our background, we, we have a disease that will kill us if it's left unchecked. And that disease is called sin. It's a deep desire in our heart to, to rule our own lives instead of giving God his rightful rule over us. And Jesus holds out to us the only cure for this disease. The, the nation of Israel back in, back in Jesus' day, and especially the religious elites of that society who we, who we read about, they were basically a test case of whether people can make ourselves right with God. Uh, this was a nation to whom God had personally spoken to, revealed himself to, fought battles with, spoken to them through the prophets. 
Basically, he'd given them every chance possible to be the people who he wanted them to be. But they failed. And in fact, they failed so badly that when God sent his son to them, they killed him. Imagine for a moment that um, we have a 100-meter race on the Oval after church today. So everyone, everyone competes. We have the race and we work out who the fastest runner is here at Trinity Church Modbury. And then we, next week we'll run a big fundraising barbecue for them, raise up thousands and thousands of dollars, and we'll get them into a, a tailor-made athletics program and get them all trained up for the 2024 Olympics. All right, everyone's got that? Got that in their minds? Great. And then we watch as they fail miserably to win a gold medal at the Olympics. Now, I think in that moment, each of us would know that we're never going to win an Olympic gold medal. That person was our best chance. And they still didn't manage to do it. And when we look at how badly Israel and its leaders failed, it's pretty obvious that if they couldn't do it, none of us can either. None of us can live good enough lives to please God on our own. And that's why Jesus had to die for us. Ironically, by rejecting Jesus in the exact same way that Jesus predicted they would, that was the very means that God used to save us. Jesus died to to take our sins on himself. And what that means is my life is not my own because it was bought at a price. I read a while back, I think this might have been a Darwin Awards winner if if that terminology means anything to you. I read about a guy who was in the outback, he was bitten by a brown snake and instead of making a fairly rapid trip to the hospital, which most of us would probably do. He, he went to the local pub and um, sank a few pints of beer and, and boasted to his mates about getting bitten by a brown snake. And um, needless to say, he died. If, if what the Bible says about sin is true, and what the Bible says about Jesus' authority is true, then, then we're making a very similar mistake by rejecting Jesus, aren't we? The alternative is to repent, which means accepting Jesus' offer to take my sins and bringing myself under his kingship. Now, perhaps you felt a little bit uneasy before um, because you know that you haven't given Jesus everything in your life. You you know that there are are parts in your life that you haven't surrendered to him yet. You you want to, but, but you just can't. The Christian life is begun by a single act of repentance, a single act of, of saying to Jesus, I, I want you to be my king. I want to be under your lordship. But the Christian life is also one of ongoing repentance, gradually handing more and more of the reins of my life over to Jesus, more of him, less of me. And this passage gives us great assurance doesn't it? We see the, the arrogant religious leaders missing out on the kingdom of God. And, but we also see the tax collectors and the prostitutes entering the kingdom of God. Why? Well, because they repented. They believed in Jesus. Similarly, in the, the parable of the wedding banquet, after the original guests are, are rejected, good and bad people alike are invited to the wedding. So our salvation is secure because we don't have to be good to be called. But at the same time, in the wedding parable, we read about a guest 
in the banquet who is kicked out for not wearing the right clothes. The point being that being part of God's kingdom does require a change of life. A life of bringing ourselves more and more under Jesus' rule. Now, if, you, if you're here this morning and you, you haven't taken that, that first step of repenting and beginning to hand the keys of your life over to, to Jesus, what is it that, that's stopping you? And perhaps you're, you're not yet convinced that it's true. You've, you've still got to work things out about whether this is something you truly believe. Or maybe you're, you're pretty sure that it is true, but, but you're just not ready yet. It's just not the right time in your life. Or perhaps you've made up your, your mind that it just costs too much. Jesus is asking too much. It's not worth it. Uh, what's the barrier for you, if, that, if that's your situation? What is it that's stopping you from repenting? Or, or to put it another way, what is it that's making you reject Jesus? If you are a follower of Jesus and, and you get how serious it is for people to reject him, how are you prayerfully seeking to lead people to him? Are there people who you can invite along to our Easter services in a few weeks' time? Or to the life series that we're running after Easter? Are there just small steps you can take with people to, to get to know them a little bit better? Um, we're planning to run in a few weeks' time an event where we, we put together Easter gifts that we can give to our neighbours, workmates, that sort of thing. So keep an ear out for that. We're, we're really wanting to give every opportunity to, to connect with people around us. Or are there questions you can ask people that might just open up the conversation a little bit more? Now, I'm, I'm preaching this to myself as much as to anyone else here as well, because I know this is something that I need to be constantly mindful of, wanting to take the next step in leading people to Jesus. Uh, because at the end of the day, we want people to know and to accept Jesus' authority and to see that it's not a harsh, manipulative kind of authority, but, but it's one of love. A king who laid down his life for us, who bought us at a price. Who would ever want to reject a king like that? We're going to sing in a moment in response to what we've heard. We're, we're going to sing our praises to this wonderful King Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. The only one who could ever save. Worthy of our every breath. There's no one like him, no one beside him. We live for him. Let me pray as the band come up. Father, we thank and praise you that in Jesus, you have given us the greatest king we could ever have. A king who came down from his heavenly throne and suffered and died for us. Please help each of us to live with joyful obedience under the authority of Jesus. And please bring many people from rejecting him to repentance and belief for your glory. Amen.